To be epic, you have to master the matrix of fundamentals. Let's take a shortcut to the summit. Welcome to Launch Code with Jennifer Jones. Hello, everybody. My name is Jennifer Jones. Today is Thursday, June 22nd, something where about something like that. Um, if you guys don't know me, again, Jennifer Jones, I'm the founder, CEO, and creator of Ignite and Launch. This is a place where you can come to for mentorship in the network marketing arena. We talk about not only how to launch and grow your business, all the tactical details. We talk about how to make lots of money. And what I didn't realize when I entered into network marketing is you can make lots of money, but then you have to pay lots of money and back to the government. And it's very easy to get yourself in a kerfuffle. So I asked Stacy to come on and help all of us understand what it really means to add a 1099 onto our W-2, the things that we should be leery of, what we should do, shouldn't do. Um, so Stacy, thanks for joining us. Tell us a little bit about you. So I am a certified public accountant. I also am a certified tax coach. So I do dig more into the strategic tax planning. Um, so not just tax prep. And I have been in the industry for a little over 17 years. I started in audit for the first six years of my career and then transitioned into tax and then into more of the tax strategy. Okay, so I always tell people, you guys, when I talk about taxes and the business or accounting, I'm like, I am not an accountant. Don't desire to be an accountant. If you know me, you know I'm not smart enough to be an accountant. So I always tell people first and foremost to ask their tax or accounting professional, of which we have one right here. I also consider her one of my best friends because if you find somebody like Stacy, they almost become part of the family basically instantaneously. My husband and I work with her more intimately than I would like, to be honest, Stacy. Okay, so let me ask you a few questions. So okay. tell us, Stacy, what is a 1099? So a 1099 is similar to a W-2 in the fact that it is a tax form that is going to go to the IRS and it's going to go to you and it is reporting the amount of money that they have paid you. So it needs to be picked up on your return as income. So a lot of people have a W-2 job. Can you just clarify? I know I'm like, talk to me like a kindergartner, Stacey. Yep. What's a W-2 means? I talk about it a lot. So the W-2 is going to have, and it's it's not the form itself, right? It's, it's the designation of employee versus contractor. So when you're an employee, your employer is going to withhold your FICA taxes, your Social Security, and your Medicare. They're going to pay that in for you on your behalf, and they're also going to pay a portion themselves because they are responsible for the other half of that. And then they're also going to withhold and pay in any withholdings for your federal and state taxes, as you've indicated when you fill out your paperwork when you start, which is the W-4. And then so the 1099, you're not going to have any of that. So since you are self-employed, you're going to get the 1099. It's going to have no taxes on it. And you are going to be responsible for paying in your own Social Security and Medicare taxes on that income. So when you're looking at your taxes, you have your ordinary tax rate and your self-employment tax of 15.3% on top of that, depending on how you're structured. 
And I never knew what to put on those stupid forms when I started a new job anyway, whether you put zero or one, I think I did it all wrong every year. Okay. So now we understand what the difference between a 1099 Mm-hmm. And a W-2 is. So Stacy, in my business, in our business, we talk to people that typically have one stream of income, okay? They have a W-2 job. And I try to get them to open their mind to adding a 1099 or more, you don't have to stop at one, onto their W-2, not only to earn compensation, to earn additional income, but to enjoy some of the tax benefits of being a 1099 small business owner. So before you talk to me about that, can you give me some examples of 1099s that people may have or some of your clients have? So there are lots of 1099s. I mean, if you're on social security, you have a 1099 SSA. If you have interest, a 1099 INT, dividends, 1099 DIV. You guys, when you're looking at earning income as as a contractor, you're looking at the 1099 NEC and it's not always done right. So you might still get a 1099 miscellaneous. So either one of those are likely what you're going to see with that other income box filled out for your earnings. And so speaking for myself, when I was a pharmaceutical sales rep, there was a ton of stuff that I could not write off on my taxes because I wasn't using it for my business. It wasn't the right thing to do, right? But when someone becomes a 1099, maybe they're a wine consultant. Maybe they are a copywriter. Maybe they, I mean, I can't, there's a multitude of 1099s in the world. So what are some things that would be legitimate business expenses for those types of jobs or ways to earn that we might not know about? So it's really going to be dependent upon your industry. But if we're looking at a lot of things like yourself, for example, it's sales. So you're going to have meals that you're, you're out networking. Maybe you're throwing events and you're bringing people in to educate them on your product. It could be services. So you want to make sure that you're capturing all the expenses related to that. The food, the decorations, um, if you have door prizes, things like that are all going to be deductible. But the ones that are commonly missed are looking at the percentage of use that you're using for your business, your cell phone, your internet, and then looking at your office space in your home. You know, you have to dedicate a space to sit down and do your paperwork, to do your calls, to do your Zoom meetings. So you want to make sure you're capturing office expenses. There's two ways to do that. There is a simplified method, which is $5 per square foot, or you can track everything, pest control, your all your utilities. If you're doing improvements on the house, you'll want to work closely with your CPA on whether those can affect your business office or not. Um, if you were to remodel the office itself, that would be deductible. Um, So you could take the actual, and that would be the square footage of your office divided by the square footage of your entire home applied to all of those expenses. You guys see why I hire her now instead of doing any of this myself, because I'm already bought, but like, this is, this is what it is. So also Stacey, we talked about how a lot of us in my industry, it is sales and marketing Mm -hmm. travel quite a bit for our, so for example, we have a meeting in Dallas in September where we come from all over the country and we get hotel and we eat out and we, 
So that is for the business, right? So it is. Yes. If it's a business trip, you want to track everything down to your Uber, your meals while you're away, you know, your flight to and from, if you took an Uber to get to the airport, all the expenses associated with that. And a lot of people don't know, you know, a lot of us, myself included, we'll extend our stay by a day or two of the trip to enjoy where we're at. And you have to be mindful to alert your CPA about that because we don't want to deduct the personal use, just the business use. But if you have, say you have a three-day conference and you do go do something fun in the evening, it's like a de minimis. It's like you had fun, but you were there primarily for business. You didn't take extra time for personal enjoyment. So that wouldn't factor in. But if you extend your stay by an extra night and that next night and that next day are all just for personal enjoyment, then you want to break that off and not deduct that portion. That's why I don't do anything for personal enjoyment, Stacey. I am working all the time, all the time. That's uh-huh. a good way of looking at it, though, because I always explain to people, you know, you're traveling. So maybe you're going out to California to visit family. Why not host a business event while you're there? Right. I mean, then it's a right. business. Now you're talking about dicing it up. But I'm like, if I'm yeah. working every day, I mean, you can't stop me from working. I love to work. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if if the travel was primarily for business use, yes. you know, you're you're out there because you have a client out there and the purpose is to have a meeting with them and your family happens to be there, you definitely could yeah. make some of your vacations. Business. Gotta work, honey. Yeah. So, and again, you guys, I want to remind you when we're having conversations with people about business or adding another business, adding another stream of income, most of the things Stacey's talking about right now do not apply if you're in a W-2 career. Am I wrong, Stacey? Yes, okay? So let's yeah. keep this in mind because they're doing all of this, right? The W-2 is doing all, right? Yeah, and that they used to have a non-reimbursed deduction on the Schedule A for W-2s, but that was eliminated a few years ago. So now I would say if you do have a W-2 job and you are paying anything out of pocket, you really want to negotiate with them to be reimbursing you since they're not deductible. Um, you guys, we're going to do questions at the end. These are awesome questions in chat. Stacy, don't worry about them right now. We're going to get to them at the end. I got some more good ones for you. Okay. So at what point would you suggest a 1099 consider an LLC? Actually, just tell us what an LLC is and then tell us when we should consider it. So the limited liability company is, it's a legal term. So when somebody asks for tax purposes, how are you taxed? LLC is not the right response. Okay. But the reason that you want to consider that is for liability protection. So you could talk to your insurance provider. You could talk to your attorney and iron out, is there really any liability there that you need protection from? Because if there's not, then you can sort of coast without it for a while and if there is any liability, that's when you'd want to establish that for protection, if that makes so, sense. So I'm wrong in telling people, which is no surprise, I'm wrong in telling people, wait until you make good money to do the LLC. It depends. If okay. they don't have really any risk of liability, then they really don't need it. There are yeah. points um, where you'll need it later, like an S-Corp election, which we'll talk about a little bit later. And you'll have to have a business name and EIN for that. And LLC is very popular for that. So if you want an LLC, 
how do we do it? Do we go to our tax professional? Do we call, you You know, how does that work? That is a great question because I get that a lot and different states are different, but in the state of Missouri, as a licensed CPA, we are unable to practice law unless we also have a law degree, which I'd love to have, but I don't right now. So I unfortunately, even though I know how, I can't advise or set them up. So either you could go out to like LegalZoom and set it up yourself, or you could hire an attorney to obtain that LLC. You guys, I did LegalZoom. It was super affordable. They remind me to keep up with it. Like, so yeah. yeah. Okay, so do you feel like one could have too many 1099s or LLCs? No, I mean, the more... The more businesses you have, and it's not based on the number of 1099s, it's based on the business that you're running. So if you have multiple businesses, you're going to have multiple different Schedule Cs or other tax forms that you're going to have to fill out depending on how you're structured. So it'll just get a little more pricey the more that you have. But if you have tons of 1099s coming in and it's you know all related to, say, your handyman business, then you would want that all in one and on one Schedule C. Okay, just I said we do questions at the end, but this is one pertinent. Courtney's asking, can an LLC, can one cover several businesses or should we split it up? So the LLC will be the business. So like for me, for example, I got the one, I got the other, I got the other. So yes, because you're performing different tasks, like because when we go to file your taxes, we are also going to put a business code on your tax return. That business code is related to what product or service you're providing. That is how the IRS is going to look at your numbers and flag you for audit. So if you say you're in the real estate business and you've got this astronomical interest amount that's more than the industry standard based on that business code, they're going to flag you for audit. So you want your business code to be as accurate as possible for the services or products you're providing to keep those flags in check. So if you're doing two completely unrelated things, you'd want separate businesses. And also for the liability protection, if you're doing real estate and then you're selling wine, you don't want to get sued for real estate from a tenant or somebody getting hurt on the property and then coming after all the assets you've built up in your wine business. Uh, That would be terrible. Yeah. Okay. So Courtney, if that didn't fully, I think it did, but we'll, you can unmute at the end. I just want to get through a few more because this is just so valuable. You guys, it took me years to find somebody who would dumb it down enough that I could understand it for goodness sakes. Okay. So we have the LLC. When do we consider an escort when we can have employees and when do we, when do we consider that? So when you are an escort, you are required to take a reasonable compensation for the work that you do in the business. So think about all the hats that you wear. Are you the only one running the business? Are you doing the marketing? Are you doing all the accounting? Are you doing all, you know, all the sales? I don't, I don't remember what I said first, <laughs> but if you're doing everything, you have to account for what would a reasonable compensation be to hire out all of those different jobs. So I actually have a software that I'll send a questionnaire and you can sort of build out all the different hats you wear, how much time you dedicate to those different tasks. And based on where you live and where you're operating, we get the industry standard for what your reasonable comp should be. 
So when to make the S election is when that reasonable comp exceeds your profits, because we want leftover profits to be taxed without that self-employment tax, because that's the difference. So the IRS says, when you're a 1099, you're going to pay your own Social Security and Medicare. If you make an S election, that S corp does not pay that tax anymore. So they don't want you to go through your business career not paying in those taxes. So they say reasonable comp, pay the taxes on that, and the rest you can have without that extra tax. And you guys, if you ever hear people talking about, oh, hire your kids for what, 16,000 a year? Is that, or is it 14? Uh, whatever. A little over 12. 12, whatever. Yeah. Hire your kids or hire other people to work for you. That is all run through the escort, right, Stacy? And it can, you can actually do it without an escort. Okay. So if you're just a sole prop LLC, you can still do that as well. Tax free, right? Yep. Yep. Okay, so one example for me, you guys, I never considered this, but now my 12-year-old really is helping with my social media or my 11-year-old has launched her own Instagram to support my Instagram. And they really do work on these like legitimately. I, mean, I don't know about hiring babies, you know, and I'm not giving you tax advice, but I'm saying like, I get it. Like, I get it how it could make sense that you would do this. And then there's no tax on that, which... Okay. I always get word, no tax, tax-free, nah, 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 nuance. Yeah, and so if you're, if you're not an S-Corp, you'll pay no tax. If you are an S-Corp, you would still pay your FICA taxes. So the savings is a little bit less, but they, there's still no federal or state ordinary taxes on that income. So it can get a little hairy, but there's definitely savings to be had if you can pay them. Okay, two more questions, and then we'll take your questions. Um, what suggestions would you give to someone who's starting at 1099, like I did six years ago, on managing their taxes so that they stay out of jail, is how I like to say it. But just what should we be doing to stay on the straight and narrow? So I'd say the first piece of advice is don't be a hobby. So you want to operate this like a business. You want to get a separate business account. You want to keep your income and expense records. You want to keep those categorized. You want to keep your support. You want to keep your mileage logs with all of the information about who you, who, where you were going, how it was pertinent to business, all of your events. You know, you want to list out who was there, what the purpose was, you, just keeping your records to be able to prove that you were in business, not in a hobby, and then also to support if you're audited you know, they can't not allow any of those expenses because if you don't have support, the burden of proof is on you. So you want to make sure you have everything you need. This reminds me, Jay-Z has this song, like, I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man. Yeah. I always think about that though. Truly though, because I'm like, I'm not, you know, we're not sitting around a kitchen table, sipping wine and gossiping about people like that, like the perception of what we do, you know, perception versus reality. I'm like, this is a legitimate business that could change people and has changed people's lives. So I'm like, when we look at it like a business, we look at it differently than a hobby. So like, let's right. make sure we're telling our people to start it as a business, even if it's just mindset, you know, from day one. Okay, Stacey, before I take the questions in the chat and I'm going to answer Amy's question right away. Stacey, I don't know if you're on social, but you are definitely a CPA that understands network marketing because she has to work with me. All the time. So how can we find you, contact you, work with you if we want to? I am pretty much everywhere now. Some of my social media platforms are newer. 
but I have a website, kevincpa.com. I'm on Facebook a lot. You can even find me on Instagram, Twitter. I'm pretty much everywhere. And one other thing I wanted to mention that Stacy has helped me with tremendously. I mean, it's no surprise to you that I'm not organized. Okay. I think we all know this about me. You guys, I was a mess. So she helped me with some bookkeepers that she actually, you guys work together, same office, right, Stacy? So right. Yep. I'm saying if you think that you're messy like me, my advice would be let a professional handle it before you get yourself in boiling hot water. So she also offers that. So it's like an accoutrement service. It's like an add-on with them, right, Stacy? Yeah, yeah. We sort of operate like a full service firm to offer payroll, bookkeeping, all of that so that we can take it off of your plate. And you can go do the things that you do best. So you can sleep at night. Oh, wait. That's that just you. Oh, oh, my God. Okay. So what about gas, Stacey? Do we claim gas or do we claim, claim miles? Or how do we do that? So it depends on if you want to go actual expenses or if you want to do mileage. I will say this. Unless you have a really old vehicle that needs a lot of repair, 95% of the time, it's better to take mileage. And that is because you're going to take depreciation on your vehicle if you take actual. And that is a temporary deduction. People think, oh, depreciation, it's amazing. It's temporary. What you're doing is you're reducing your ordinary tax now to pick it up at a lower tax rate later. So when you trade that vehicle in or sell it, you're going to pick up a gain that's taxable. So mileage, you don't have to do that. So, you know, without knowing individual situations, just a blanket statement is mileage is usually better. While we're on the car thing, someone told me that you can buy an F-150 or like a G-Wagon and write it off on the first. Can you tell me what that's about? Okay. So when you have a vehicle that is over a certain gross weight, you can deduct, it's called section 179 or bonus depreciation. And you can, you can deduct hundred percent of the vehicle in the first year well, last year, now it's 80% and it's going to continue to increase, but it has to be a hundred percent business use. If it's not a hundred percent business use, you can only take the hundred percent or now 80% of the business portion. And if you drop below 50% usage, you don't get to do that. You have to take it over the five-year life. And if you, if you, the first year you are 60% business use and the next year you're 40 you have to recapture all that depreciation you took, tax it, and then do it over the remaining. Well, it just makes so much sense to me, though, why so many people have the F-150, like if they're in any sort of, like they have their cars and then, yeah, anyway, yeah. So you guys yeah. heard that from big vehicles because it's more deductible. If you get a little car that's good on gas, you're limited on your deduction for that purchase. Okay, so Lori's question and Jane's are basically the same. Do you recommend an app for tracking expenses or how should we do it? Yes, I definitely recommend the app. It just makes life easier. You know, you can swipe and you can print off that report at the end of the year and have it for your accountant. You still want to track, you know, where you were going and what the business purpose of that trip was. But it's, you know, most of my clients, if they don't use that, they're looking at the ceiling for their mileage later because they never go back and recreate that. Okay, lots of questions. Hey, I'm going to have somebody unmute. Lori, can you unmute and ask your question about the risk? Because I don't want to say it wrong. So I think the question had to do with, like you, you had alluded to, depends on the amount of risk, whether you have an LLC. 
And what would we have in our business that could be risky? And somebody said, I guess, pouring wine. It's my understanding that we pour one ounce tasting pours. And that is our prescribed amount that's in our posi pour that we're given. And if I pour five wines, somebody's had one glass after that, that's on them. I don't have anything to do with it. That is what I do at a tasting. So that was the question. She's like, what is our, what is the risk that you would say would be attributed to wine business? So I would say the risk would be how likely is it that with that one glass of wine, somebody could get in a car accident when they leave and sue you. And that would be an attorney question is what do they see come in? And do they think that that is a high enough risk that they would recommend an LLC? Which is another reason, guys, per policies and procedures, you know, the sign-in sheet, the after hours, the RSVP only, the small group. I always say, like, you don't know what someone was doing during the day. They show up to your tasting. They are already in a bad place and something happens. So I think corporate, we're founded by a team of attorneys too, Stacey. So like corporate really tries to set that up for us to be successful, but also, yeah, call your lawyer. Having that LC, how does that protect us from being sued? Okay. That is a great question. And it only protects you if you keep that business separate from your personal. So you want to have your separate bank accounts and you want to run all your business income and expenses through that bank account because it is going to be a separate entity from yourself. So when they sue, they'll sue the company, but they can only go after the company's assets. They can't come after your personal assets anymore. Um, Great question, Courtney. Um, Jane is asking, do you like QuickBooks? Yes. I mean, I, I don't, but I do because it's the only thing that works as good as it does and is as user-friendly. So, okay. If we're using wine for tastings, Stacy, mm-hmm. that's a write-off, right? It is. Yeah. It's a sample. So that answers part B, Jane, because you're using the wine for your tastings. If you're drinking it, it's not a write-off, which is why I do so many tasting. Right. I drink a little bit. I don't drink much. And that's a lie. Okay. So <laughs> any other questions, you guys? We have two more minutes with Stacy. So ask away. Dumb it down and explain what we add up these deductions. What are we? Oh, Stacy, can you do the thing? You had to tell me this like 10 times. So, you know, in Schitt's Creek, David buys a computer or something. And he's like, it's a write-off. It's a write-off. So he thinks he doesn't have to pay for it. Okay. So can you just tell us what a write-off, what a write-off means? (laughs) So a write-off, I mean, that's, that's any expense that you pay for from the business. So you're going to have your income. You're going to subtract out all of your write-offs, your business expenses, and you're going to pay tax on the profits. So if it's business use or a portion of it is business use, we want to deduct that business use portion. If you buy a computer for $1,200, you're not going to save $1,200 in taxes though. You're going to save your tax rate on that. So just be mindful. I never tell clients to go shopping at the end of the year because unless you need it, you're spending a dollar to save 30 cents. It does not make sense. But it does really help from a layman's perspective. And Stacy, tell me if I explain this wrong. It does really help to lower taxable income, right? Because yeah. let's say you have $50,000 of expenses in your business and you make $100,000. I mean, I don't know what the tax brackets are off the top of my head, but you are lowering your taxable income by $50,000. Fair to say? 
Yes. Yeah. You only pay the tax on the 50,000 of profit. Okay. You guys, I'm going to post where we can all find Stacy. Stacy is there. I'll post your, your um, website and stuff, but is there a best way to contact you? Like, do you do Calendly or anything like that? Like if someone- I do. Yeah. If anybody wants to reach out directly to me, they can reach out via email and then I can send a calendar link. Give us your email real quick and then I'll send it out. So it's stacy.cavin at cavincpa.com. Okay, you guys, I will post the recording of this for you guys. Stacy, thanks for this very valuable information, you guys. I cannot recommend her enough. She has helped me tremendously over the last five years. So Stacy, I love you. I'll see you soon. And the bookkeepers too. Yes. All right, you guys, have a great rest of your day. I'm going to smash a defibrillator onto your business. If you aren't exactly where you want to be in your direct selling company, something needs to drastically change. If you've been consistent and still haven't crushed top rank, I want to burn the entire metropolis you've created and build it back differently. Join me at igniteandlaunch.com. If any of this is resonating with you, make sure you join us over at Ignite and Launch Society. Want to get to know me better? I'm Jennifer Schultz-Jones across all social media channels and, of course, my favorite, LinkedIn. Want more information on anything we talked about today? Click the link in the show notes. If this brought you any value, please rate and review on Apple or Spotify. See you next time.